have crossed, the woman said. Her accent was odd, Eastern European perhaps, foreign certainly, but her gaze was steady, as though she'd seen all this before, done all this before, but not here, not in Rowena's home. Please go through, she said. I know, the foreign woman said. The room on the right, and any chair but the one with its back to the window. That's my chair, Rowena nodded, more uneasy than ever now. When they were all assembled, the unlikely company, sitting rigid on their dining chairs in the room lit only by a small fire and the gathering dusk through the window, Rowena lit an oil lamp. Her face flared with the taper, and the light spread its warm glow from the glass chimney. She placed it in the centre of the table and sat down, her back to the window as the strange gaunt woman had predicted. No one knew quite where to look or whether to speak, all except the gaunt woman, and she was staring at Rowena the whole time. Please, Rowena said, place your precious things on the table, around the lamp. And please, no talking. We need peace now, peace and focus. One by one, the sad little trinkets came out. A rosary, a book of Keats' poems, a yellow glove, a little cross made of raffia, a tattered teddy bear, its ears ripped, one eye gone, a fountain pen, green swirled and brass, The gaunt woman merely placed a business card. It read, Magda Lupescu. Rowena saw it and blinked. Her heart skipped a beat, skipped several beats. Then she took a deep breath and closed her eyes. No one moved. No one except Rowena appeared to be breathing. There is a man she said, her back rigid, her upper body rocking gently from side to side. He is standing by the fire. They all turned except Magda Lupescu, who remained motionless, her eyes fixed on Rowena the whole time. Is it Alfie? the old lady asked, unable to see anyone there at all. Rowena swayed more violently. No, she said, frowning, listening, trying to catch the garbled snatches of conversation that were out there on the ethereal wind from the other side. No, not Alfie, he's... Oh, dear. She was frowning harder now, her breathing ragged, erratic. Oh, God, no. He's going to die. He's going to pass over. Who is it, dear? The old lady was desperate to know. He's tall, uh, dark. Rowena was squinting to see him in the gloom of her dark drawing room. Not handsome exactly, but he has a certain roguish charm. His name is... uh, I can't quite make it out. What's that? He's talking to me, but, but I can't quite... Maxwell! That's it. His name is Maxwell.
and he's going to die. Try to remember the kind of September when you were a young and callow fellow. Peter Maxwell chuckled to himself. That was a long time ago, in the Granter days, when he had wandered the cam with his scarf around his neck, brothel creepers on his feet, and dear old Frank Stenton's Anglo-Saxon England bulging out of his rucksack. If anyone had said to him in those dear dead days, What do you want to be when you grow up? He'd have said, I want to make historical films. To be Steven Spielberg before they invented Steven Spielberg. Oh, and win a Nobel Prize for Literature, and settle into an old leather chair as Emeritus Professor of History at St. Old Farts College, and watch generations of young Turks, just like he had been, wandering the cam with copies of Sir Peter Maxwell bulging from their rucksack.